Welcome to a very special edition of Plank of the Week, because it's not Plank of the Week, it's actually Plank of the Year. You're going to be seeing all sorts of people joining in, and I'm delighted to say that kicking us off, Mr Mark Dolan, Talk Radio's very own uh, anti-masker, although of course he's not really an anti-masker, are you? you you no, don't I, I just, I, I'm delighted to debate all of the COVID measures. Of course you are. And Emily Carver is also here, a woman who, if it wasn't for Dawn Neeson, would have appeared most on Plank of the Week <laughs> for the whole year. We'll be seeing Dawn Neeson a little bit later on. And so what we're going to do is we're going to discuss the top um, 20, starting with number 20. And it is, of course, the Welsh First Minister, Mr Mark Drakeford. What has been inflicted upon the Welsh people in the name of a scientific punt, as in a national lockdown... Scientific is, what? Is, uh, yeah, well, family show. <laughs> and we know this is going out on Christmas Day. It is, absolutely right. Punt of the week. That yes, could be a format that would be good, year. yes. Uh, it, what's happened to the Welsh people, the good people of Wales, is, is, uh, is cruel, actually. Uh, don't forget that earlier in the year, uh, this was a population that was subjected to the ruling in which certain non-essential items were banned from sale. So apparently an oven tray or a winter throw, oh, was uh, you know, the purchase of which was an arrestable offence. Yes. Weren't books as well uh, outlawed, Emily? Books, any sort of entertainment, everything, really. You yeah. had scenes of people trying to sort of rip down these, uh, mm. these stickers from the walls or barriers. It was barriers, like a crime scene, wasn't it, in Tesco's? <laughs> yeah. taped everything warning. up. Unbelievable. Yeah. So I think that's been awful, and I think that we've seen, you know, certainly overreach and unilateral measures across the UK, but I think it's been at its worst in Wales. And I wonder whether it's the sort of left-leaning principles of Mr Drakeford, you know, whether you're seeing that sort of true socialism in action, um, a political ideology that loves to control people anyway, and the pandemic is the perfect opportunity. Yeah, I mean, some people in Wales apparently think they're not going far enough but I don't know what's wrong with them. Because Wales is such a weird country. You know, they've got the whole M4 corridor, which is quite busy, quite populated. And then you've got Snowdonia in the middle and North Wales over the other end. They're all completely different, aren't they? Well, I don't know how many Welsh uh, watchers you have or listeners you have, but they're facing Loads. another massive lockdown on the 28th, I think, as Yes, well. I think they they're are. They're going down, into, down to, what, Tier 4 restrictions. They're not going to be have any pubs open, restaurants open, non-essential shops closed too. So it's going to be pretty bleak for and I th- Welsh. I don't think you can buy a drink in Wales anywhere now. No, you can't buy a drink. You couldn't buy a drink past 6pm or there was all sorts of rules and they change every day, the poor Welsh. Mm, absolutely right. Number 19, Emily, I'm going to hand over to you. Jeremy Corbyn, former leader of the Labour Party, now uh, independent MP. Well, I mean, he's had a pretty extraordinary year, hasn't he? Delivering the worst uh, labour <laughs> loss for uh, decades. So that was 30 odd the first since re- the 1930s, I think. Since the 1930s. So that was the first reason why he's a plank. His most recent... Uh, his, his revelation is that he's starting a new peace and... What is the word of it? What's it called? Justice. Peace and Justice Society or Institution. Yes. Uh, which he decided to reveal on Twitter about an hour late from when he said he was going to, yeah. to keep the audience, you know, waiting. Um, so he's delivering this and he said, we're going to bring people together. And really? I thought that was quite plankish. Well, that makes the a change, that doesn't been... it? Because normally he likes to keep people apart, <laughs> usually <laughs> somewhere between the West Bank and Jerusalem. I would say he's probably been... <laughs> He's probably been the most divisive uh, political figure in the last well, God knows how let's long. not forget, Mark, he was actually expelled from his own party for anti-Semitism. Well, it's extraordinary. And I know this is a hard sell, uh, given present company, but the Labour Party is one of the great political outfits uh, in the history of Western democracy. And a lot of good stuff has happened uh, within Labour Sorry, governments. This is not a comedy show, you know. <laughs> right? You have to try and be reasonably serious. Can I just point out, it's Christmas... <laughs> It's Christmas, and I've been on the eggnog. So. <laughs> but but what 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 our um, our country has 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 pretty much you know uh, sort of alternated between you know Labour governments and Conservative governments. The Lib Dems haven't had much of a look in, um, and you generally have um, a, a sort of path through our recent history in which you know different the, the two different parties have made their own contributions. And what you've seen uh, under Corbyn is almost the destruction of the Labour Party. And I think that would do our democracy a disservice. And luckily, um, I think that Keir Starmer has kind of stopped the rot a little bit. You think? Um, But, but, you know, the scars remain. Labour is still a very divided party. And huge support has been lost across the North and across the entirety of Scotland. And don't forget, the reason for him to be in the Planks top 20 is for several things that he did. You might remember... 
fairly early on in the lockdown when Parliament was saying people should stay away because it's quite dangerous, we don't want to infect everybody. Because the one thing the politicians have managed to do is they've all managed to get coronavirus or know somebody who did, yeah. much more than anybody else. You know, even old uh, Emmanuel Macron tried to make a last-ditch effort to get on the planks list by getting coronavirus and giving it to half of the European leaders that actually went to a meeting with him. But Corbyn was the first guy back into Parliament. 70-odd, yeah. he was told if you're over 70, you shouldn't really be going out. He gets straight in a cab, slams the door as hard as he possibly can to try and break the paparazzi's arms. Um, he then had a meal. Do you remember the meal that he had? Yes, of course. And it was li literally Dave Spart's dinner at home with nine yeah. people, one of yeah. whom was like a Venezuelan filmmaker or something, right? Another guy was a sort of, uh, you know, an artist, street artist. His, his uh, partner is a Venezuelan coffee maker. I mean, it really is just a joke, isn't it? Well, indeed. And uh, Jeremy Corbyn is famously a teetotal and vegetarian. So how he got an invitation to a North London dinner party, I don't know. Well, he lives there. That's how he got an invitation. Oh, it was round at his house. Yeah, it was round, wasn't it round oh, at his I house? I see. I thought I it was. I that. Yeah. yeah. Now he's back where he belongs, isn't he? As a sort of anti-establishment Yeah, he's back on the back benches. Which is where he belongs and where he should have been all along. But he hates Keir Starmer so much that he actually voted against the Labour uh, abstention, didn't he? Yeah. On the old, um, That's right. uh, should we shut down and go into further tiers? And I think that feud is going to keep us all going and for also, probably a couple of years. Maybe like a lot of over 70-year-olds in this country, in relation to COVID, perhaps he wants to manage the risk on his own terms and make a decision about whether it's safe for him to go to work. So in that way, maybe he's a bit of a hero. Well, I mean, it's not that safe for him to go to work because he doesn't take all the knives out of his back from the last time <laughs> he went in. You know, that's the trouble. Uh, next up, uh, we go to number 18. And this is quite a late entry. Kay Burley from Sky mm. TV. The issue you've got with Kay Burley is that she and Sky News have been at the forefront of this uh, pro-lockdown mania. Mm. And every press conference, the likes of Beth Rigby, who, of course, was implicated in this uh, breaking How does she only COVID get three rules. months and Kay Burley gets six? How does that work? Well, I don't know. I think that her contravention of the rules wasn't as severe as those of Kay Burley, perhaps. But ultimately... Or maybe you know, people don't hate her as much. The... the, the, the well, the crime of Kay Burley and, and the like is, is hypocrisy. It's yeah. not so much what she did, which was obviously inideal, suboptimal. She didn't follow the rules carefully, uh, but she wouldn't have gone to jail for it. She probably wouldn't have got a fine. Uh, but given where Sky News have stood, and particularly Kay Burley and Beth Rigby, the hypocrisy is too much to take. I mean, what? what did you make of them going to the Century Club? What a terrible <laughs> tactic place to end well, up. Well, I mean, for me, she was, she was a plank. She could have been on this list even before this uh, revelation, just for the way that she refused... Well, it just appears so partisan on Sky News the entirety of time. It's like she's a voice piece for, uh, for a new Labour. Mm. The way that she has a seething distaste for Boris Johnson and everything that he does. Yeah, and um, she was pretty hard on any... And she was very hard on any... Uh, cabinet minister that turned up, wasn't she? Yeah, yeah, exactly. I just think that she's shown herself to be totally partisan and this latest behaviour just shows, calls her out for the hypocrite that she is. But the so thing, much of our media... But the thing off. about how it all happened is fascinating, isn't it? The fact that mm. she was apparently stitched up by her own colleagues at Sky TV yeah. because they don't like her very much. And I can see how that could happen. Well, that's yes. true. They clearly all wanted uh, to stick the knife in. Quite well, the story, <laughs> quite the story goes that they actually hired the photographers. Wow. That's you know? professional. Did they actually? Well, I don't know if it's true, but that was the allegation. Uh, quite often when a public figure is, is uh, sort of basically kept in post of sort of by the skin of their teeth is because there's a well of goodwill within the organisation mm. for that person. You've seen presenters and actors and others misspeak um, and, and, and keep their job because basically the team around them quite like them. That's clearly not the case for Kay Burley. The well of goodwill is uh, dry and empty. Well, hopefully it's good riddance to her now. Well, I don't think she's coming back, to be honest, but one of them is already back today, funnily enough, as we're filming this. We're coming out on Christmas Day, but we're filming it a couple of days before. Uh, Sam Washington, mm. Samantha Washington, who is one of the group, is already back on air. I'm not quite sure how they handle that kind of disciplinary scenario. Really. What really bothers me is that uh, news platforms like Sky News throughout the pandemic have been pro-lockdown. Every question at press conferences, especially from Beth Rigby, is, is why didn't you lock down sooner and why isn't the lockdown longer? And I don't think that any news platform should be pro or anti-lockdown. What you've just got to do is yeah, debate how about just the, do the truth. That's, that's what they think people. is holding the government to account, but really holding the government to account would be to suggest that there might be another strategy available. Well, yeah. that would be a good idea. But, uh, and what's that's so, not what's, what they're there for. What is clearly. so awful is that Kay Burley has been the champion of lockdown and pushing for it and then broken those rules herself, and that is just beyond the pale. Yeah. Well, the next one you're going to love, <laughs> number 17, Neil Ferguson. 
oh dear. Imperial College professor uh, who cared so much about his own rules that he broke them on yeah. the grounds that he thought it was okay because one, he'd already had COVID and two, he really wanted to see the woman uh, that he fancied who happened to be married to another bloke and who was German. That's record. I mean, this, this guy's sort of history of, of getting his predictions about the spread of viruses wrong is, is, is epic now. Uh, he really is uh, somebody that just must not be taken seriously. It shocks me that he still pops up on the Beeb and elsewhere uh, as this great sage of well, this science. is the thing. He was on BBC Newsnight, I think, just the uh, just about a week they or two ago. They keep putting him on, don't I they? think last time I was on Plank of the Week, actually, he was he was back on. And he wasn't just, uh, you know, um, just talking about the virus or whatever. He was talking about how people had been so harsh to him and how he'd been used as a scapegoat and overtired me, how sad it is for me, and um, all this uh, garbage. So he really is a plank. He really is, absolutely right. And finally, number 16... The Metropolitan Police. There's so many reasons why, but you might not uh, remember um, the situation with Cresta Dick when she broke her own rules, clapping for the NHS, uh, hanging about on Westminster Bridge, I think it was, yeah. um, in the early oh, days yeah. of the uh, pandemic, standing too close to people. You know, in addition to all of the not arresting of people who were involved in the Extinction Rebellion, Black Lives Matter protests and all the... Th- I mean, you don't know where to, where to begin, really. I think it's the Extinction Rebellion, the uh, antics on that bridge. Yes. Um, when they were skateboarding, skateboarding around. Skateboarding and dancing. While um, people weren't able to get to the hospitals that they were trying to get to, or indeed to their work. So I think that was one of the biggest plankish moments from them. Yes, I think perceived double standards where... <laughs> Certain political um, causes uh, are allowed to just have free reign at a, at, a, at a protest and others, such as, I don't know, an anti-lockdown march, are considered public enemy number one. And that's, that's not a judgment that the Met police should be making. No. I think as a caveat that they've had to execute and police some absurd rulings and mandates that come from the government. So mm. it's really the government's No one fault. told them to bend the knee, though. Yeah. yeah. Taking the knee, you have to say, was probably the most stupid thing you've ever seen the police do. Well, I think ultimately Surely they've had a bad... Got bottles thrown at them. The cops have had a bad pandemic. Uh, the, the, you know, the rules don't help, but you've seen crazy overreach. We're seeing, for example, I think upwards of 12 police officers um, turning up to, to, uh, to, to close a gym uh, early, early in the second national lockdown in England. I mean, just think of all of the burglaries and muggings that are going on in that area whilst they're trying to close a gym. And it's they were bizarre. sat outside a hairdresser's just monitoring this lady and her uh, establishment. That's the wrong life. colour. <laughs> it's not the right colour. We're going to have you for that. Can you imagine? Well, listen, guys, thank you for kicking us off. Uh, we've done 20 to 15. Coming up, uh, Emily Carver and Mark Dolan. Coming up, we're going to have two other panellists who are going to talk about the 15 down to 10 numbers on the top 20. This is Plank of the Year. Welcome back to Plank of the Year. Over to my left, you will see some people enjoying it very much. They're not just an audience. They are, of course, participants in Plank of the Year, and they will be here uh, later on as well. Right now, though, uh, we are back, and we're going to do numbers 15 down to 10 with Kevin O'Sullivan, uh, Talk Radio's very own angry man, um, and Emma Webb, uh, who's, of course, a, a political commentator. We've got to kick it off with number 15, one of our favourites, Kevin, this year, Dominic West. Ah, Dominic West, who starred in that well-known uh, TV series, The Affair, and uh, then decided to put it into real life. <laughs> uh, uh, headed off to Rome to film uh, for another drama with the actress Lily uh, James. Uh, if you're married... She's in everything now. If you're she? a woman and you're married, keep Lily away from your husband. Uh, <laughs> anyway, Dominic West and Lily headed for uh, the Eternal City, where they were f- caught on camera uh, by photographers, hugging, kissing in a restaurant, uh, lovingly uh, 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 hugging each other on a scooter. On a scooter, Electric yeah. scooter. I mean, you know, talk, yeah. probably old-fashioned, but, I mean, that romance is not dead, is it, when you can get some woman on a scooter? I mean, exactly, what's exactly. Now the, the, than a Vespa. <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, the slight kind of drawback was that he's married and has been happily married with kids uh, to his wife, Catherine, back here in Britain. Uh, she, we deduced took uh, a bit of a dim view of these antics in Rome. And indeed, when Dominic got back from Britain, having been splashed all over the papers, love rat of the year, what Mm. are you doing with Lily James? You're married to this lovely woman. Uh, He organised coming out of his house with his wife as if he's some sort of politician Mm. to say, nothing to see here, this marriage is strong. And actually put a sign up saying, our marriage is strong, 
right. signed Dominic and Catherine. And we're all going, hey, you think your marriage is strong, uh, Dominic? I'll tell you something, it's in deep trouble. I know. And, and he also made his poor wife sort yeah. of stand next to him. It was this very sort and of like Meghan Markle yeah. style yeah. gun it against was, the back. Yeah, it very much. <laughs> yeah, and, and, and then couldn't stop himself. It was very David Miller-esque. Yeah. You know, the wife was standing there dutifully yeah. and he made her sort of take part in a kiss, which was awful. Yeah, and then the kiss, he had his arms around her and uh, sort of like this. She, she and then he looked get away at the camera it. and he looked like sort of... Jack, oh. like, he had this sort of smirk on like this. And it's like, yeah, I got away with I it. I got away with another one. Silly, <laughs> silly woman. She's a she's actually believed me. Anyway, we all said, uh, you say your marriage is strong and is in no trouble. Uh, we've got news for you. And sure enough, about two days later, Catherine up stumps and went off to Ireland to stay with yes, her mum. Yeah. So uh, hasn't, I don't give that he, marriage much longer. Wasn't he also particularly um, unkind about Donald Trump's moral qualities? Yes, as he well? was. I and think he that said was... he was jumping for joy when he, he found did. out He was that interviewed Trump... shortly before the story came out he was interviewed I think on one of the morning programs because he was promoting this show that he was doing and he said something about jumping for joy because Donald Trump had got coronavirus mm. and it was just like that's really not a very nice thing to say even if you don't like someone you don't wish it them sounds dead. like Catherine's made a very lucky escape yeah, I think so and the moral <laughs> of this story is whether they're a prime minister or an actor never trust an old Etonian very much so. Number 14, one of your favourites ever, Nicola Sturgeon, the first minister of Scotland. Oh dear. Well, there are so many reasons why she could possibly be on this list, isn't there? There really are. Um, I think the latest thing that she's done that was particularly plankish was um, banning the royal family yes. from spending Hogmanay at Balmoral <laughs> and, and getting antsy about the fact that Will and Kate were doing this royal Came up tour on a train, and they went to right? Edinburgh. Yeah. Um, and I think that she said to um, Camilla and Charles that, that they weren't welcome to come up to Scotland for so uh, we were saying so before we um, started filming that you know that would be the, the best Boxing Day uh, news coverage ever would be to see Charles and Camilla being sort of wrestled to the ground <laughs> at the border by the police. Yeah, by the border police. <laughs> but they have this kind of team of people, don't they, who keep calling for there to be police patrols on the border between England and Scotland, which nobody who actually lives in Scotland wants. I mean, it's absolutely unbelievable what they're calling yeah, for. She, well, she, what, she spends her entire time banning things. Scotland is the world capital of banning things. Yeah. You know? Well, it seems as if she's trying to make it so that the Scottish people can't leave Scotland. And we know that the reason for that probably isn't anything to do with coronavirus. The no. way that she, even with the tier system, she want, you know, we had three tiers, she had to have five. Yeah. Um, and she obviously wants to try and in every single instance, whether it's to do with hate crime or their vision for this utopian Scotland, they want to differentiate themselves from England as much as possible. And yeah. it's just got this na nasty anti-English streak. Yeah. And now this sort of disrespectful attitude to the monarchy, I'm not sure how well that goes down in Scotland. I don't think it goes down um, very well at yeah, all, because yeah. they forget that the royals actually own most of Scotland, so they should be quite careful. It might turn badly for them, and they turn out the other way around. William M Wallace, you know, blue-faced Mel Gibson <laughs> and Braveheart. You'll never take our freedom, Nicola. Want to bet? Yeah, exactly right. Well, this is the other thing she's done. She also suggested that Christmas should not be spent inside. It should be spent outside. Uh, you shouldn't have any Christmas dinner at all. You should just go for a walk. Yeah. But by the way, she also had instructions on how to serve roast potatoes and how to go Christmas shopping. Bring your own spoon. It's not that she wants to meddle in anybody's life no. or anything. <laughs> bring your own spoon. Yeah. Don't share uh, any kind of spoon that might be doling out potatoes to people. You can't get a drink in Scotland, by the way, anywhere no. now. I mean, if you're trying to stop people drinking in Scotland, I mean, hello. <laughs> What's the kind of point of Scotland if you can't drink? <laughs> Her and Hamza Yusuf together have become this sort of yeah. Bob oh, yeah. Marley I mean, and not Scrooge. Yeah, well, Hamza Yusuf actually didn't quite make the top 20, but he was just about on, mm. on the cusp of it for his hate crime bill, because mm. this is the guy with her acknowledgement and with her permission, wants to ban people from saying anything at all inside their own houses. Inside their own homes, right? yeah. That might upset somebody who's not even listening. And by the way, talking about inside huh? their own homes, among the millions of people who can't stand Nicola Sturgeon, it turns out her husband is one of them. Because <laughs> uh, she sold him, he sold her down the river. Because <laughs> she's she had this kind of dodgy meeting with uh, uh, Alex Salmond, uh, where she the said, one she forgot. Yeah, where she, she said, I forgot, that. and it was, certainly wasn't business. And then her husband cropped up in the inquiry and said, it was business, and you did have that meeting. Uh, I bet you the uh, situation behind closed doors at the Sturgeon household mm. is well, not very that, content. Well, if she's also, that despotic in public, yeah, can you also, imagine just, what she's just like in her a good measure, this though. week, the most uh, uh, ridiculous story of all, uh, she represents Govan Hill, which is a particularly run-down, poor part of Glasgow, which you won't be surprised to know has not been helped particularly by Nicholas Sturgeon being the uh, MSP for it. But they've also now managed to rack up the largest number of drug deaths 
um, in Europe, yeah. in Scotland. Yeah. You think she might be paying a bit more attention to that? Yeah. Well, I was thinking, though, that we've all had millions of people in this country have had a terrible, terrible year, obviously. Uh, but at least we're not married to Nicola Sturge. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, you can say that. Maybe now, she number 13. Number 13, the man who I know as Dr. Strangelove, Chris Whitty. You know, this is the bloke who's leading everybody down the garden path. He looks as if he's never had a day of any joy of any kind in his entire life. I don't think he's married. I don't think he has any kids. I don't think he does anything other than just stare at slides all day. Next yeah. slide, please. <laughs> and it's like, oh, look, here's one of you and your career going down the gurgler. I mean, this bloke is unbelievable, isn't I he? just always want to say, uh, Chris, you know, just get some... Lighten up, man. No, 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 I just want to say, <laughs> just, just get some clothes that fit. I mean, that, that would help your image. I mean, he's got a huge neck and tie down here and his scrawny neck and his poached egg eyes. I mean, he, looks like, he looks like a space alien. He does. Uh, uh, and, and like the Mekon is now he, running government policy. But he likes to sort of project this sort of solemn image of a, of a decent scientist, an honest broker, just trying to tell us how it is. But he's an absolute shyster. Yeah. He's a shyster, along with his mate, Valence. I mean, they've just been basically telling us lies all year. Mm. I mean, this sort of stuff about, oh, uh, um, uh, 50,000 people a day will get it within one month unless we lock down. Uh, there'll be 50,000 deaths in a month uh, unless we lock down. Oh, this isn't a projection. This is a scenario. Yes. Well, a, what does that mean? You might as well say, unless we lock down, there'll be 20 million people dead. Yeah. Because you're just plucking figures out of the air to scare people. It is blatant, thuggish, unsophisticated scaremongering and both Valance and uh, Witty can do one but particularly Witty. Thank you very well, it much se indeed. It seems like the whole story of Chris Witty because there's not very much you can say about him really is there other than I'm sort of... Go away. But the whole story of Chris Witty throughout, throughout the course of this year is sort of the, the classic myth of the person who sort of gets drunk, falls asleep, and when he wakes up, everyone's pretending that he's king. And he just sort of goes along yeah. with it and doesn't really know what he's doing. And he's like, yeah, just, you know, shut the whole place down. Harder, longer, yes. you know, keep, the, keep them all in jail. If somebody shaved his eyebrows. I don't know if he has <laughs> eyebrows, but that's another story. Now, we're going to move swiftly on to a woman who dominated the news for a while this year, Dawn Butler, the Labour MP, you might remember, who was uh, tweeting out furiously... Uh, that Video she'd been fan. pulled out, pulled over <laughs> by the police mm -hmm. uh, while driving through Hackney. It turned out that one, she wasn't driving, and two, they'd stopped the car because they thought that it might have been stolen. Uh, she then promised to put out all sorts of video evidence of how she'd been victimised because she was black. And it turned out not to really be anything like that. And actually, in the video that she filmed herself, the police came off looking really very polite. They did. And all they'd done was make a simple mistake when checking the registration yeah. of the car, and she was the one who came off looking terrible she was horribly rude to them and then she basically manufactured this whole grievance mongering narrative mm. off the back of the black lives matter uh, uproar uh, and she and then she she made it into this whole thing about systemic um, racism when reason? it was yeah. obviously a fabricated but, outrage but the relish she took in that situation you she was like all her ships came home at once oh they've pulled me <laughs> finally up. A <laughs> it's a stop and search oh look at me look at me look I've been stopped and searched and she was tweeting racist, about it racist yeah. she was and tweeting she about out, it so excited yeah, yeah exactly she was so thrilled by it and she came out of it looking Looking like an absolute idiot, yeah. completely hoisted by our own petard. As you say, uh, her, uh, the cops behaved particularly politely. It turned out that they couldn't see in the car because it had darkened windows, so they didn't even know who was in it. It was an absolute pile of nonsense, and uh, I don't think she did her career any good at all. No, I don't think she did. Now, I'm not sure we've got enough time to do this justice, but number 11 uh, on the planks list before we enter the top 10 is Mr Matt... Hancock, Secretary of State for Health, uh, Chief Banner uh, of all things that are any fun. Loser, useless, wish he'd never been born. <laughs> Next. That's probably slightly harsh. I mean, I wish you'd just say what you think. You know, what do you, Emma, come, give us and a where, kind of gentle Where do you begin with Matt Hancock? I mean, there was the interview that he did the other day where they were asking him about uh, the MPs having their salaries raised and he was sort of antsy, shifting right. in his seat, didn't, didn't want to say that he really does actually want the pay rise. Yes. doesn't matter what's happening in the rest of the country. Um, but he, it's just, his interviews are so bad. And there was the one where he was, you know, 
crying because he was so emotional yeah, about the, the first vaccine thing. that William that Shakespeare had been had, had the first vaccination. But he, he always looks like he's laughing, like he's sort of enjoying it. And, he and looks it, quite smug, doesn't he? His, his whole interview manner is so abhorrent. Mm. It's just impossible to like the man. He's also the same guy that came out in the House of Commons, I think, saying that you don't want to be killing your granny. Yeah. I don't think I know anyone who wants to kill their granny. It's exactly right about Matt Hancock. He is the high priest of what's so infuriating about this government. He is the high priest of only one side of the argument. You know, this completely blocking out of uh, the Great Barrington Declaration, 40,000 scientists, epidemiologists, virologists and doctors all saying you don't need lockdowns, they do more harm than good. Uh, the fact that uh, there's a very strong medical argument that the coronavirus really isn't that virulent. It's not virulent enough to warrant what they're doing to this country. He uh, like the rest of them, but he, he is the main one who just completely closes his, his ears to that side of the argument. Oh, no, no, we're doing the he right comes, thing. He comes Population across like a going, defensive no, you're child, not. like a defensive child who's been caught yeah. red-handed yeah, and, yes, and, yeah. and just is going to deny be everything. Because he has to close his ears to that side of the argument because uh, we all say there's a lot of credence to that other side of the argument. And if there is, Matt Hancock, Boris Johnson, the whole lot of them are sunk. Absolutely. And sunk. of course, there was also the interview that to cross over planks that he did with Kay Burley, yes. where she was sort of, it looked like her sort of hardwiring had gone and she kept saying misogynist, homophobe in relation to <laughs> Tony Abbott. That's right, um, yeah, the Australian. And, and he didn't know how to handle it. And she was obviously being completely absurd. She actually looked like she was having some kind of you know, episode. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and he didn't know what to do. All he did was this smug smile again. By the way, he's a very ambitious young man. Uh, I've got bad news for him. His political career is over. And he, he doesn't seem First, he is the first for the high jump no as soon as they can. He, he doesn't realise that. Guys, he's thank doing you very a great much. Job. Indeed, that's the first top 10 uh, of the top 20 taken care of. Coming up, we'll go back into uh, the next five, which will be numbers 10 down to five. Uh, Emma Webb, thank you very much. Kevin, I think you're staying with us. Olivia Utley's going to join us from The Sun. Coming next on Plank of the Year. Welcome back to Plank of the Year. This is when it starts to get a bit exciting. We're going to find out who's in the top ten. We've got an audience watching us as well, uh, hanging on our every word uh, as we find out with Olivia Utley and, of course, Kevin O'Sullivan, who's still with us, uh, exactly who is going to start kicking off the top ten. And I'm going to come to you first, Olivia. Top ten, number ten, The Guardian. Yeah, uh... <laughs> What exactly, what, what were the things that The Guardian have... Well, The Guardian has had what can only be described as a pretty terrible year, right? Yeah. Because, of course, Suzanne Moore came out and described oh. The Guardian as possibly the most poisonous, ghastly, hideous place that she has ever yeah. worked. Even though she's worked there for 25 years, they forced her out because apparently she's the wrong kind of feminist. Oh, yes, of course. Sorry, mm. just inadvertently I mean, it's so easy to forget these things, the right? I mean, is, apart from exactly. the fact that it's the most useless paper in Christmas. <laughs> Don't forget, but, you know, also, Olivia, that it publishes Carol Cadwallader's lives. Oh, yes, there is yeah. that. Now, Carol Cadwallader, funnily enough, has not so far made the list. I wonder why that is. Mm. Um, yeah, the Suzanne Moore debacle was absolutely ridiculous. Um, she was... The entire point of columnists is that they write their own opinion. Yeah. The editorial board of the paper doesn't need to agree with every single opinion that their columnist writes. Otherwise, it's just the same old rubbish from the same old people. Um, and Suzanne Moore just couldn't bear to work there anymore, so she's out. Um, there's definitely rumblings that other people aren't liking it there either. And just all over Twitter, you've got sort of civil war breaking mm. out, and they've got an audience of sort of... What is 100, 115? Well, ever dwindly. No, no I, think, I think the daily, I think the daily actual print sales, Kevin, of The Guardian are now down somewhere around 60,000. And, of course, they then say, oh, yeah, but we've got this great online business, except it doesn't make any doesn't money. Make it doesn't any make money. any and money. And it's also run by the Scott Trust, which people. doesn't pay any tax. Yeah. Apart from that, they're a great bunch of leftists. The staff's mum don't buy the paper. They're finished. <laughs> uh, now, the thing about the Suzanne Moore thing is, don't forget, what she actually said was that there is a difference between you know, a, a naturally born woman and a trans woman. Mm. And, uh, and, you know... Shocking. Let's, let's dare Absolutely say outrageous. It. There is. Uh, and uh, this is the important thing. More than 300 of the staff of that free-thinking newspaper, that champion of free speech, signed a petition demanding that they got rid of her for stating such a heinous thing. And, of mm. course, she said it in a 
totally acceptable, polite, yes, um, yeah. but it's transphobic to have the debate yeah, at yeah, all. Yeah. Uh, but also, so as you said, Olivia, you know, surely the point of a newspaper columnist is to have an opinion, mm. and the point of having other columnists in the same newspaper is that, is you, that you can You don't you write disagree. a snide letter having a little bitch yeah, about Yeah, but this is the new columnist. thing, isn't it? All these people who work in uh, news organisations, I think there was one, was there not one at Penguin Books? Yeah, recently, same deal, yeah. When they decided to have a petition to get rid of some author. Or Hachette Books have just uh, cancelled Jordan, uh, Julie uh, Birchall's uh, book well, about... Yeah, Jordan Peterson's, culture. Yeah. <laughs> Jordan Peterson's new book, which is going to make the, the publishing company an absolute fortune. And they were like, we don't feel like you should be publishing it. It's like, well, you work here. Um, you know, you're welcome to make a complaint if you wish, but you can't just say yeah. we now have to completely, you know, bankrupt the business and fire all the people that make all the money. I seem to remember that was some really junior person yeah. as well who was complaining. Which, um, the one who complained said that, um, you know, I was in tears when I found out that you were publishing this book. It's like, really? You need to get out more. But to go, go back to The Guardian, it is a window into the twisted psyche, collective psyche of that newspaper that more than 300 of its journalists signed a petition to call for the sacking of a columnist who said what she thinks. It I mean, what on earth are they doing in journalism? so embarrassing sort of watching this whole civil war breaking out. I mean, you just don't do that to your colleagues all publicly and no one's reading it anyway. And I, I look on Twitter and, you know, I'm quite involved in this sort of world and I still don't have a clue what's going on. I follow 10 threads mm. back and I think, and it's just, Totally nonsensical to the average so person reading the paper. I know. There's a, well, there's always... Uh, there's also, they also employ Owen Jones, so that's another reason. Oh, constant run on, uh, on toilet paper at the moment, so when you run out, you know which newspaper to use. Oh, yeah. Absolutely right. Moving on to number Great. nine, one of our favourites, Julian Morm. The uh, fox killer from last year. He didn't quite make the list last year because he waited until Boxing Day, mm. disgracefully, when Plank of the Year had already gone out. Um, and he'd, so he, we, we didn't actually make the list for killing a fox while dressed in his wife's kimono. So even if that wasn't the greatest that. story of all time, which of course it is, I mean, he's had an entire year of nonsensical lawsuits, most of which seem to end up being filed against the government, no. most of which cost the taxpayer loads and loads of money. Mm. And he's got one currently against the NHS, which if he wins will mean the NHS money, rather than being spent on patients, will actually be going to the good law project, as he calls it, because he is apparently, um, you know, the keeper of all moral in the country. Not to forget the fact that he's got a dispute currently going uh, with his builder, who the builder says owes him two million quid and he's only given him a million. This is a bloke who pretends to be poor. You see, the thing is, this guy, what he doesn't realise is last Christmas day, or was it Boxing Day, Boxing when day. he beat a poor fox to death uh, wearing his wife's with kimono, a baseball bat. With a baseball Did bat. He does not realise, he does not realise that was as his projected image. He wanted to project an image of the, the good guy, the nice guy, you know, remain, uh, cares about people, mm. wants want the brotherhood of man. When he did that to that fox and then blindly boast thought it was a good thing mm. to boast about on Twitter, uh, he, that was the day he was finished. Mm. He has been finished ever since then. Uh, you know, I'm... Um, a well-known animal lover. I can't forgive him for that. But even people who aren't that bothered about animals looked at that and thought, you crawl so-and-so. Yeah. I would use another yeah. term, but we're on television. Uh, he is an awful person who thought nothing of beating an innocent creature to death with a baseball bat while it was trapped in a net because mm. it was near their chickens or mm. something. And ever since that, don't you try and tell us you're a uh, humanitarian. You're the exact opposite. He's absolutely finished. No one takes right. him seriously, but he's definitely a plank of the year he's contender. He's also an absolutely terrible liar. And yeah. there have been so many instances of this, but the one I really remember was I was on... Um, well, some BBC radio programme and uh, it was Chris Mason hosting it and he was talking to Jolene Morm about this um, death threat that he'd apparently received, mm. which, you know, is absolutely awful if he'd received a death threat. Then he said, um, yeah, I've had to buy myself a bulletproof vest. And Chris Mason said, <laughs> goodness, that's terrible. I, how would Why? you go about buying a bulletproof vest? Well, he just hadn't. He was like, Where, where's this bulletproof vest from? And he went, um... Uh, the bulletproof uh, vest shop. Uh, yeah. the, literally. And then eventually he said... Uh, 
Um, I'm, I'm going to have to go now and just hung up. And he just really had to force you. And he's another one who did that thing where he appeared on some, uh, again, Radio 4 show to be interviewed about how awful his life had become after beating the fox to death. And you're quite right. If you think about what you would have to do, you know, sort of reenactments, and you had to Grim. just do that yeah. with a baseball bat to a fox's yeah. head. It's disgusting. It's just, yeah. I'm no fox bat. It's horrible. That's just a horrible do individual. You can't do that. He's finished. Right. Number eight, though, uh, if you think he's vile, what about Prince Andrew? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, you mean the liar? Yeah. The <laughs> yeah. liar, the man who will not help uh, the police with their inquiries because it might incriminate him. He's a, well, he's a, you know he's a, a liar and a moron. Uh, that's the problem. <laughs> you know, he came away from that. Noun. He, has, he has got some bad points as yeah, well. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he came away from that. I mean, he's a he's a well-known pompous fool. Yes, that's what he's renowned for at the palace. The courtiers have always despaired of him. Mm. He's really up himself. Spoiled he's stupid brat. enough mm. to think I, I really am superior because I'm so high-born. Uh, but he came away from that now notorious interview with uh, Emily Maitlis on Newsnight, which was now last November, so like 13 months ago, uh, thinking he'd done a great job, cleared his name. That was hilarious. You know... Uh, How do you think that went? Yeah, yeah, really well. Exactly, exactly. And now he won't sit down with the FBI, uh, the FBI calling for him to be interviewed about his association with Jeffrey Epstein. What does he know? He's not actually being accused of any crime. No. Now, people say... He, he's, he's said he's offered a statement, but he won't sit down with them. People say, well, why won't he sit down with them? You think, well, because he's a pompous fool. But I think it's at the palace and the courtiers saying, we cannot let this no. moron loose yeah. again. Mm. If we sit him down with the FBI, God knows what he's going to say. Right. Yeah. He'll end up under arrest. So he is a fool, a liar, and he's in such disgrace, he will never be allowed into public life again. He wasn't even allowed to pose for photos at his daughter's wedding. I know. I mean, how much worse can it get? And I, don't, I don't understand how he's stupid enough to think that this whole thing is just going to sort of disappear if he ignores it for long enough. It's yeah. clearly not. The FBI are on to him and they're going to keep tapping yeah. away. And the American police are just getting more and more furious mm. that he's not paying them any attention. Um, and they're not going to let it drop. So how he's arrogant enough to think that they will. I mean, if I were him, I'd get it out of the way quickly while there are all of these course. COVID restrictions in place. Yeah, exactly. At least he won't have to go And, the and also, room. think about his poor mother, the Queen. You know, he has to sit there every week. And I mean, it's been recently uh, brought up again because the mail have done a big investigation into what he's lied about in the past. And you just think, you know, the poor woman, I mean, she's got enough to worry about. Why can't you just put a, draw a line over it, you know, call an end to it all and yeah. just do the right thing? And of course, you know, Harry and Meghan have uh, uh, given the royal family a real kind of public image problem. And, uh, but, but, you know, meanwhile, there's this sort of gaping sore weeping on the side <laughs> of the, their image. And it's Prince Andrew. He is like much, that. much worse uh, than Harry and Meghan, I think, in terms of what the damage mm. he's done to the royal yeah. family. All they did was run away. Mm. He is a real, clear and present, massive problem for them. It's a problem that they have to sort out, but they daren't because they daren't let Prince Andrew sat down with the FBI <laughs> oh. for fear of what he might say. I can't sweat, you see. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Unbelievable. Well, uh, we're getting down to the wire here because at number seven, coming in uh, very, very high up the list, Mr Lewis Hamilton. Oh, yes, who um, likes to say that he's had a terrible life because... Awful life um, because he's experienced so much racism. This sort of suddenly came to the fore when the Black Lives Matter yeah. thing started off. I'm not sure if that was a complete coincidence. Um, quite often saying how he doesn't have enough... Not, uh, well, not quite not enough money, but, you know, that's the vibe. He's come from this very difficult upbringing. Uh, he's a multi-multi-millionaire. He's never spoken right. out about any also, of this before. Also, he came from Stevenage, because <laughs> last time I looked, wasn't really that terrible. It wasn't exactly, yeah, I mean, yeah, it's not exactly. a great place, but, I mean, I don't think you can really liken it to growing up in sort of, you know, the favela uh, of Rio de Janeiro. Yeah, yeah. 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 Where, shall, where shall I live? Drinking uh, shall water I, shall out of the gutter. Where shall I live? <laughs> shall, shall, I, shall I stick with my hometown of Stevenage? Or shall I move to Monte Carlo? Yeah. I don't know. I yeah. don't know. Also, well, the why other did, great why one. does he get knighted when he's a, when he's a tax dodger? Well, I mean, I, I think know. the tax dodging thing is quite important, you know, because he's never really paid his tax here. He, he works no. for a, a German company. I mean, he tries to be um, Well, of all course green. he hasn't paid his taxes in Monte Carlo. Yeah, but I mean, he tries to be all green as well while driving while one of the yeah. most expensive... Because I got rid of my private jet. What yeah. about your Formula One yeah, car? Exactly. <laughs> and also, of course, famously, he now uh, dresses like a complete, <laughs> absolute and utter circus clown. I mean, he's entitled to dress how he likes, but, you know, he doesn't really do himself any favours, no. does he? Oh, and it's also his Instagram posts are hilarious. He literally does sort of live, laugh, love Instagram posts, uh, and it's just so hilarious. And, 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 and uh, some being... Uh, 
uh, pictured on the back of his boat on his own. Sometimes it's great to get away oh. on your own. Well, who's filming you then? <laughs> There's a whole yeah. sound crew and film yeah, crew. They're in a boat just yeah. over there. <laughs> and he's cradling his no, dog or something. Yeah. I think he's just, Lord. I mean, you know, you, you want to say that he's done some incredible things and he's achieved an awful lot as a motor racing driver, but he's just such... A kind of idiot yeah. when idiot. it comes yeah. to his own way, personal kind of stuff. By the way, now he's going, oh, you know, Formula One is too white. You know, there's a real race problem. We've got to sort this out. Black Lives Matter. Well, he didn't say a damn Anything word until before, the George exactly. Floyd thing. Not a single word ever. Suddenly, he's campaigner of the year. I know, unbelievable. Now, we're getting down to the, uh, to the top five very shortly, but coming just outside of that, number six, the Prime Minister, Boris Johnson. What could you say? <laughs> Please, can you stop you? being Prime Minister? <laughs> How about that? <laughs> so sad this time Isn't last it? year. This time last year was King so of the World. So excited. Yeah. I thought he was going to do absolutely wonderful Well, he was about things. to in, in, inherit the one job that he always wanted because he was asked, wasn't he, when he was young, yeah. what do you want to be? And he wanted to be, what, Emperor King of the, of the world, world or something like that. Um, he's now Emperor of Downing Street and I'm afraid... He's making a bit of a hash of it. Yeah, I think he's gone from being this massive strong man to being just... I think his, his main character flaw is that he just can't bear any form of confrontation. No. Which just isn't really acceptable in a prime no. minister. I mean, this is how he's got into all this problem with Dominic Cummings. I mean, he probably should have just got rid of Dominic Cummings at the whole Barnard Castle thing because it would have saved his administration. Mm. He didn't do that. He then had to get rid of him six months later because he couldn't face having a row with Carrie. He just avoids <laughs> rows all the time. Which is unusual for a man that's been married as many times as him because he must have had quite a few rows. Yeah, he must have just yeah, or just drifted away and not really told his wife right. that he's found a new wife and <laughs> just kept it away until he did. Kind of, I kind of like him for being our first ever prime minister that we don't know how many kids he's got. Yeah, That's I don't care of, about that. I don't, but I, I like don't him care. for that. It's yeah. funny. It's funny. But he used uh, to be funny though, didn't he? He used to be funny. I mean, yeah. he used to stand That's up. Right. What and he had this rather unusual turn of phrase, slightly Victorian, yeah. slightly old-fashioned, mm. but kind of cute. Whereas now when he says ridiculous things like, you know, uh, this is the season to be jolly careful. You just go, oh, shut up. Yeah, just yeah, don't yeah. do it. Yeah, have yourself a jolly little Christmas, but make sure it is a little Christmas. Yeah. Ooh, he's such a wizard also, with the bizarrely, words, isn't he? You know, the three families for five days rule isn't really enough families for him. Yeah. He'd have to have more than that, wouldn't he? Yeah, exactly, exactly. He, ne he needs to sort of <laughs> yeah. hire the O2 centre to get all of his kids and all his wives in. <laughs> My uh, favourite thing is when he, he obviously doesn't want to marry Carrie and he's trying to well, who would? avoid... Well, exactly. <laughs> who would? But it, I love the way all regulations get loosened apart from all the rules around weddings. So yes. it's like, oh, you can meet 40 people to do this, you know, in the this summer when great, it was all actually, being yeah, properly relaxed. Right. So and then it got down to, you know, you can do literally everything apart from... No weddings. Absolutely no weddings. No weddings. But you know, the thing is that he's as we were talking about Matt Hancock just now, he's another one of these if you come up with the other side of the argument about the coronavirus crisis, you know, he's la 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 he doesn't want to hear no. it. Uh, we all know that uh, one way forward would have been what the World Health Organization uh, recommends, what the Great Barrington Declaration recommends. No need for lockdowns. Vulnerable look after themselves. The rest of them get. The rest of us get back to making this economy work but he's going further and further down this road and I just think every day he gets up and he thinks my god what have I done I know. he has wrecked this country worst prime minister and listen we, we started off at the year beginning of the year obviously you know looking forward to Brexit also looking forward to his prime ministerial uh, leadership and you had to feel sorry for him when yeah. he got taken to hospital yeah. and he was really really ill but you know when you get a, a guy who's now telling us about how we're going to uh, roll out the most sophisticated vaccine that anybody's <laughs> ever seen We've got the best test and trace. Game track, changer. Game changing app, well except it doesn't test or track yeah. or trace or any he's of a, that. He's... And then he tries to do a Zoom call because he's isolating because there's nothing wrong with him. <laughs> and he's not one of the only five people in the world who get coronavirus twice. Yeah. He can't even that manage a Zoom so call weird. without losing the signal. Yeah. 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 And this, this guy said that he likes to let it be known that he models himself on Churchill. Little did we know he, he meant Churchill the nodding dog <laughs> from the adverts. <laughs> I know. Absolutely ridiculous, Useless. guys. Thank you very much indeed. Kevin O'Sullivan, Olivia Utley, Deputy Leader Writer at The Sun. Uh, the top five uh, of Plank of the Year coming next. <laughs> Welcome back to Plank of the Year. We are now getting to the most important part of the list. And of course, 
given that that is the most important part of the list, we have to have the Queen of Plank of the Week, and that is, of course, Dawn Neeson, uh, who has presented this show almost as many times as I have. Dawn, welcome to Plank of the Year. Thank you for finding the time to do it. I've got some tinsel and a bit of a bauble uh, for you, which I'll maybe present to you a bit later on. Baubles, straight in on the baubles. Just, you know, because it is a festive time. Russell Quirk, of course, as well. I think the top uh, rated man uh, for Plank of the Week that we've had uh, all throughout the year. And, of course, you kicked us off, I think, with the first ever one, didn't you? Absolutely. So there's very good reasons for both of these being very good people to be here. Um, But also... Uh, the thing we are going to now do is do the top five. And it has been an incredible list so far. All the people on it, you would say, deserve their place. And you can't think of anybody really more uh, plankish than the people we've had so far. But we have got five <laughs> more for should you. should be a fan fiction. Can I there? start so with you, Dawn? Them. Because number five, coming in at number five, for all sorts of reasons, Gary the Saint Lineker. Saint Lineker. Yeah. Where do you start? Well, Now, I have a very, very small issue with this one, in that I do occasionally, just occasionally, find Gary Lineker quite amusing yes. on Twitter. Yes. He can be quite dry, can. quite funny when he sticks to football. Mm. And this is the thing, yeah. when he sticks to football. Unfortunately, Gary didn't get the memo about sticking to football. No. Well, it doesn't apply to him, does it? It's no. I mean, obviously, he works for the BBC um, and you are not meant to um, have an opinion that is going to sort of like upset anybody. And Gary Lineker has given a new definition to hypocrisy, hasn't he, really? He really has. And I think topped it all off this year uh, with the house guest as he became known. Yes. Uh, whose but, name... Uh, the house I, guest that was supposed to move in with him permanently and lasted for about four well, days. yes. I mean, did because, it even happen? Did well, I wonder. Know? I wonder whether did it even happened. I find it quite difficult to believe that he had a house guest who was, in fact, an asylum seeker and he didn't take a picture of him in his house. Funny, well, obviously, the asylum seeker wanted no publicity whatsoever, but this obviously. was lecturing everybody else on how dare you, you're racist, these poor people travelling across the channel... And I'm welcoming them, he did say them, mm-hmm. to my home. Mm-hmm. And, so it's what, like, mm. and what I particularly object to with this guy is that the taxpayer, to us, are paying him, I think, about one and a half million quid a year now. Did he, not, his, he did take a pay cut. I think he might have about 400 grand. Yeah. Yeah. So, so to do his match of the day thing, you know, which is fine, but we're also technically paying for his notoriety yes. that allows him to preach to us, not only to preach to us, all of his wokeisms, his kind of left leaning claptrap. But particularly if you remember a few months ago, he was evangelical about masks. Do you remember mm. that he was saying, why on earth would you not wear a mask? I can't believe you wouldn't wear a mask. Of course you should wear a yes. mask. It's the easiest thing in the world. How selfish. It's just a mask. Just and then it was pictured in Marks and Spencers about a week later without a mask. Yeah. And look, the, the, those Percy pigs <laughs> are distracting. <laughs> mm. And he did say, and I mean, a lot of people say this, oh, I just forgot to put it on. Well, you don't really, do you? If well, you you're going into he's... a shop and you know you're supposed to wear a mask, unless you're uh, somebody who really wants to make a point and you really want to show the people in the shop that you're a very independent individual. But if you're walking you past... You are wearing a mask because you're carrying it yeah. with you. So you're walking but past no, all and sundry with masks on yeah. and you've been preaching incessantly 17 mm, times a day mm. on Twitter about wearing a mask. You can't forget to wear a mask. It's not unusual, is it, the preaching and then forgetting to follow the rules. I mean, it's quite mm. common this year, really. It really is. Mm. Also, he won't stop banging on about the European Union. And as much as he's quite an intelligent guy, and I think he's a very good presenter as well... Yeah. Um, you know, what he knows about politics, you could fit on the back of a postage stamp. Mm. I'm sorry. But you how know. does he get and I mean, away with the BBC diktat that they should, that BBC employees or people that work with the BBC, albeit as freelancers sometimes, that they should not show their opinion publicly. They should be the, unbiased. And he continues, presumably because he's their number one star and they don't want to lose him, to be allowed to do it. He is the exception Yes, it really does seem remarkable. Yeah. Funnily enough, we can continue the theme as we move into number four, Russell, because number four Seamless, has come eh? in, and this is very scientific, as I said before. These are all the people uh, who have been on Plank of the Week the most often. You've done and the counting, haven't the you? The BBC. I've done proper counting and everything. Yes, the BBC. For me, I have cold. to say, I, and I don't envy you putting the top or any of them together, but particularly the top five, because they're all worthy winners. Mm. For me, the BBC would be the winner if it were up to me yes. who the winner should be. Overall. Um, for a whole bunch of reasons. The fact that they're unaccountable, the yeah. fact that their output generally is dire, right. uh, and actually this Christmas it's normally you know, relatively okay. You know, there are one or two things that you might actually look forward to watching, but not this Christmas. I mean, it's, it's appalling. Mm. Um, we've had the whole Vicar of Dibley debacle yeah. where that's been politicised yeah, by Dawn French. Why would you even do whereby that? Whereby she's literally taking the knee mm. and telling everybody else, yeah. you know, and, explaining and the about and so a political organisation. But, but this is, also, is about a vicar. Yeah. But this is also the organisation, I mean, really, of course. And God and all that. The organisation that takes £3 billion from us as tax yes. in order to watch the telly, but then banned rule Britannia yes. earlier on this year. Right. And also keeps continually wanting to charge um, 
people over at the certain this age. This is the, they are criminalising my mum. Yeah, that they want to my make mom, them criminals. My mum is going to end up in Holloway yeah. over the BBC. She's mm. refusing to pay, and I don't blame her. Yeah, absolutely yeah. right. Yeah, they, and also, they've still got this ridiculous kind of woke culture where on Radio 4, somebody must come up with this stuff, they refer to the uh, fishermen as fisher people. People. Because <laughs> just in case some of them might be women. Now, they might be. There is, there but is if a woman. There was, if there was a fisher woman... And she I'm gave sure. an interview saying, call me a fisherman, call, it's absolutely fine. What's wrong with being called a fisherman? And you the know? fact there could be more people in prison for evading their licence fee than are in prison for shoplifting, yeah. yes. probably. It really is true. And despite all of that, they still continue to do things like Glastonbury. I mean, we've saved a few bob, I suppose. They only send a few people year, down there, though, I think. Where they send to the Olympics more people than Team GB yeah. to cover yeah. Team GB. Yeah. Same goes for the World but they're, Cup. They're very and they're like... ridiculously over-complicated organisation, aren't they? But, but the... They're incredibly diverse. That's what I really like about yes. the BBC. They're all I middle mean, class. They're, 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 there's lots of working class uh, really? people working for them. No, they're all no, they're all white, middle class. Oxbridge educated. But even if they're men. not white, right? They're not diverse because if they they happen to be from a different ethnic background, they're still middle class. But most of them are actually. I'm sorry, white, and they're lecturing everybody else mm. on on diversity when they are probably the least diverse organisation in the country. They really are, and I mean, I'd, I'd like to be paid their taxi bill from Broadcasting House, apart from anything else, because I know for a fact that that will be in the millions of pounds because everybody gets a taxi. Mm. Well, and, and the bill for this crackpot idea, which was to move most of the BBC to Manchester, oh, yeah. and then apparently the bill to get presenters and guests up to Manchester and back runs into literally millions. Oh, it will do. Millions of pounds a year. And why do they bother? As you said, have you seen what they're putting out over Christmas? I mean, seriously. Right. No, and nobody and who works be. there has ever seen a budget. No. Yeah. You know what? I'm and, going to watch on Christmas watching Day. I'm going to be watching this on Christmas Day. Plank of, the, plank of the year on Christmas Day is what you want to be watching. Now, coming up to number three, we're getting very close here, uh, Sir Keir Starmer. Gafor, mm. Gafor. Mm. Leader of the opposition. Very mm. forensic man. So, Dawn, do you want to stick the boot in before do, I do? Do we, do we have an opposition? Well, not really. When you say opposition, what does he do? All he... All Keir Starmer has done this year is turn the pandemic and people's livelihoods and lives into a political football. It's all about Keir Starmer, and it's very easy to criticise when you're supposedly the opposition, saying, well, what about this? What about that? I would have done this. I would have done and that. And I would have done it sooner. And I would have done it sooner. But the reality is we know he wouldn't. He is not actually representing the people that, in theory, would want to vote for Labour. I mean, if there was an election tomorrow, um, who would you vote for? I'd, I'd kind of like to work out if this whole approach by Keir Starmer this year is either some very clever strategic thing where he's kind of hiding, letting the government make mistakes, you know, th this whole thing that, you know, if you, if you don't come out and do much yourself, then, you know, you let your opponents kind of stuff themselves, or whether he's just inept. I think it might be the he's, latter. He's uh, a barrister, isn't he? He's a barrister. He so is therefore a barrister. He's, he's a former human rights lawyer. Uh, well, exactly. So therefore, yeah. he is forensic, which means is just basically blooming dull. And a huge remainer, despite the fact that 60% of Labour constituencies voted to leave. Well, this and is the sir, thing. I mean, it also, let's not forget, it was his policy on Brexit that the cost the, the Labour Party yeah. uh, the biggest loss. But it's, re it's really, it's really in touch with the working class North and he's living in North London. And in the last few weeks as we sit here, he's just about abstained on Everything, everything around and, and probably will do on future Brexit legislation too. He's got more fen uh, splinters in his bum yeah. Yeah, than he also any of them. hasn't got to grips yet. We talked about Jeremy Corbyn earlier um, being kicked out of the Parliamentary Labour Party, but he's still got momentum all over the place. Oh. He can't, leak, he can't seem to, to shake them off. And so much so that when Jeremy Corbyn gets expelled from the party... He then gets back in. Back in. The next right? day. Yeah. Despite the fact that, and there was 19 days, I think, despite the fact that Sir Keir Starmer is the leader, he had no say. He's not, so he's he's not, the leader, not is a he? leader, is he? He couldn't lead his way out of a paper bag. He really couldn't. And he's awfully boring, as you say, and he just has no, no personality. No, that's forensic. That's lawyer speak for no, forensic. Yeah, but I've, you and I have both seen some great lawyers, some great barristers, some great That's enough about that particular court case. <laughs> <laughs> but the point is, is that, you know, they're characters. Really good barristers are characters. He is the very least... A characteristic person, he's I think. Get, I he's know. got no personality, he's just boring. And does he have any other suits apart from the blue one, by the way? And the red started. That's all he ever wears is a bloody blue it's, suit. A, in his defence, he does look slightly smarter than Boris Johnson, well, but so true. does the average slug. Yeah. Yeah. The other problem with the Labour Party, of course, is if it's not him, who is it? I mean, there's nobody else that well, I this can is think the of. Thing. Who no. is it? That's in the background that you would say, no. I wish, if you were a Labour Party member, which I'm far from being, uh, you, know, if you would be able to say that you wish that XYZ were leading. Well, instead. coming up to number two, there is a man 
whose name has been mentioned as mm. a possible leader of the Labour Party. Before I say what it is, I should tell you that it was a very close-run thing uh, between our number two and our number one, because number one um, had three different entries. One as a couple... And Are you giving two away a bit, as Mike? a single. Well, we're about to two. We're down to the last two. <laughs> and once I tell you who number two is, you're going to guess who number one is. Number two, Sadiq Khan, Mayor of London, yeah. creator of chaos, absolute mayhem on the roads, uh, dawn to cyclists. And even you would agree that some of the things that you're seeing being done right now in the name of cycling, absolutely unbelievable. Yeah, true. Hmm. So it, it, Sadiq Khan is, um, is without doubt one of the most inept politicians that this country has ever it's seen. A lot of competition. And, and actually by, kind of by, by his own measure, really. So you know, when he was elected back in 2016, bear in mind we've had nearly five years of him, not his usual four because of COVID. So <gasps> yeah. five God, years. Yeah. Bonus. There were a bunch of things that he said he'd do. So he said he'd reduce bus fares. He hasn't. No. They said, he said he'd reduce crime. No. He hasn't. No. He's bankrupted TfL. Uh, he also said he'd build 65... Twice. Yeah, he said he'd build 65,000 homes a year. He's built barely 20,000 a year. Uh, crime is through the roof. Uh, he also said that there would be no strikes under his tenure. Guess how many there have been? 22. <laughs> so he is a muppet of the highest He really order. is. And he answers to nobody apart from those he likes. Yeah, and all he you does know, is we win. We continually ask him to come on talk radio. He's never done it. He doesn't. He was even on CNN the other day, right? But he won't come down no, here. He he's literally five And the irony more. of that, Mike, the irony of that is he spends £500,000 a year on PR firms. Hmm. Yet he won't, uh, he won't do any other outlet other than the ones that you want and, to And do. how much of London's money, considering he's bankrupting the city, has he spent on investigating statues that may or may not be offensive and we should tear down our history? Well, a quarter of a million pounds, apparently. So and he also yeah. wants to change the names of half the London streets. Yeah, every Londoner. You stop and ask anyone in this city... Do you give a monkey's about any of the stuff he is so passionate about? Mm. Because he's woke virtue signalling. That's all he's doing. But the hypocrisy as well, especially with the shutdown and the tears and whatever you want to call yeah. it. And you know, well, the flip floppery as well. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's like, don't go out. Go out. Yeah. Don't go to restaurants. Yeah. Go to restaurants. Uh, we, we, have to, we have to shut London down because it's we, all getting we, we infected. Forget, with famously, he's the man that back in March, April said, you can go on the tube, you cannot catch coronavirus yes. on the tube. Yeah. Mm. That's an astonishingly ridiculous thing. It is. Well, he is an astonishingly ridiculous man. And now he says, now you shouldn't go on the tube. Yeah. Don't use <laughs> public transport, whatever you do. But you know, the, the, the worst thing is, we all know the hospitality industry is on its knees, low risk of infection in bars, restaurants, clubs, all this, but shut down. And he was literally begging them to shut down. And then literally the week after was going, I'm with you on this. I feel your pain. Yeah, yeah. The government needs to give us more money. And it's all about having a go at the government. He doesn't give a monkey's about it. Well, he did the same or, thing yesterday in Parliament. He was, or, or via uh, Twitter rather, where he was criticising Rishi Sunak for presiding over the biggest recession in history. Well, look, go figure. Of course he has. Mm. Because yeah. there's this pandemic thing, which uh, probably isn't Rishi Sunak's fault. No one mentioned actually. it. <laughs> um, but... but um, Keir Starmer, of course, was the man that not two or three weeks ago was saying that we should lock down sooner, we should lock down yes, harder. Yeah. Well, locking down sooner and locking down harder, guess what that does to your economy? Mm. So under Keir Starmer, if he were to be leader and prime minister, we would be in far greater dire straits mm. than we are right now under Rishi Sunak and Boris Johnson. Absolutely not. But at least our number one planks of the year oh. are not running on, the country. You've been looking forward to this. They're not running the country, but they are... Of course, everybody's favourite couple, it's Harry and Meghan. Da, 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 da. <laughs> or Meghan and Harry, you know, those lovely no that coming, California residents in Montecito <laughs> with 16, bathroom, no, 16 bathrooms, I nine bedrooms. This is the ex-drug dealer's house. A five-car garage, the ex-drug dealer's house, yeah. yeah. Well, he may not have been a drug dealer, but he certainly was, was a nefarious character of yes. some description. Um, they've them. now got a podcast that they're going to be doing which I can't wait to hear, where it's all going to be about, you know, being kind Have and compassionate. Had a little bit of it. Oh, the, the oh, little sort oh of... My oh, my God. Yeah, but, but, but this is Harry and Meghan. They actually believe that they are an alternative to the royal family, mm. right? So they're... Wherever They've they got are. some awards going on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah, their own nominations Yeah, and so absolutely. That's going to be hilarious. Um... Yeah. Yeah, and, and look, I, 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 a number of people have said this, and uh, I'm sure most would agree with me, that you've got to feel sorry for Harry. I know he's been a plank in his own right, but the, the way that he has been manipulated and kind of driven and humiliated by Meghan, probably, as I've said before, to be kind of tossed away and discarded in a few months' time when she's kind of finished with him, yes. um, is, I mean, it's really quite sad to see, I think. It really is. I mean, and that is apparently her MO. You know, she came into this country. We've, we've all talked about the two of them mm. many times on Blank mm. of the Week. 
you know, they came to this, she came to this country as the kind of darling um, of the nation. Desperate, because, desperate for think, rich yeah. British husband. Desperate for rich British husband. There was a picture I saw just the other day uh, with Lizzie Cundy when she was out in Annabelle's or something with Lizzie yes, Cundy. Yes, absolutely. Uh, and she yep. asked Lizzie mm -hmm. Cundy to introduce her to some yeah, you know, famous British yeah. men. She did the same with yeah. Piers Morgan. She finally gets to, uh, to get her hooks into Prince Harry, who's obviously, let's face it, not blessed with a great deal of brain Oh, no, power. absolutely. You no, know, I mean, he's every girl's dream, I he's, presume, isn't he? He's actually up there on Got a load uncle. of money and not very many brains. Exactly. That's what he's told. <laughs> yeah. Exactly, and his uncle's Perfect. done. But so, I mean, so far, he's like £75 million from Netflix, yeah. the company that have actually spent this year actually destroying, destroying pretty much the modern day royal family but also destroying that. his parents reputation exactly now you absolutely. might say that diana and charles's marriage is known for not being particularly great but they don't really have to rub it no, in no, do they? they really destroyed them i mean i sort of like was lucky enough to work with diana interview diana several times and they portrayed her as being this this crazy idiot, crazy yeah. and charles is completely it's not true i mean obviously it's a drama but how you can then take 75 million from the companies that have done that to your own parents, mm. I don't know, but obviously Harry doesn't have a problem with that. And say nothing about and it. And say as well. nothing about it. And then 18 million from Spotify, mm. where they're going to do these little woke broadcasts. Podcasts, yeah. And yeah. she actually simpers, oh, I love your accent. Yeah, I know. And it's like, oh, you do it so much better than and me. And he's by now the way, calling but, them oh. the holidays, right? Let's, uh, let's do something about the holidays. It's like, it's Christmas, mate. In Britain, we call it Christmas. Christmas yeah. It's not the holidays. He has started talking fluent Megan, though, hasn't he? He has. Utter, utter ball no, I think it's rubbish. utterly cringeable how they're both trying to stay relevant, really, when they're not relevant. The thing, the thing is, you can't have a go at them because that's racist. It's not. It's absolute. You're having a go because it's sheer hypocrisy. It is. And that's right. why they are. Number the, the, one. The planks of the year. Planks of the year. Worthy winners. All I need is an award. And here it is. Thank you very much indeed. What can you say? This was sent in to us by a fan, somebody who's gone to all the trouble, Dawn and Russell, it's of lovely, actually making it? very... a proper plank. Now, we might wrap it in tinsel. We may have to send it off to Montecito, to the mansion. I'll take it out there personally. Or you I've, got, I've not got an issue with, with it. <laughs> Harry and Meghan, you are, as a couple, the plank of the year. 